Hello and welcome to the G42 podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Wendell. The G42 podcast is a podcast for alumni and those connected with the G42 Leadership Academy in Mijas, Spain. We train leaders for a kingdom way of life. Uh, today, we're trying out a new podcast format. Um, we're using Google Hangouts, so you might be able to see this uh, as a video um, on YouTube as well as the audio. Um, we are doing a lot of our life on Google Hangouts and Zoom and other platforms these days, as I imagine a lot of the alumni are as well. Um, crazy uh, season of life. So today, um, Gary Black is interviewing me, um, which is uh, turning the tables around, which is fun. And we just have a blast. Um, we're talking about some of my favorite topics. It's my teaching week. Um, which I love. Um, we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the point of Christianity. Um, but we really get into some some deep conversations about what to do in a world that looks very unsteady and unstable and how to ensure that our faith is based on the truth and that everything we know is grounded in Christ. And I really think it will be a blessing for the alumni. I hope it is. And um, uh, certainly awesome to hear from any of you if you have questions or concerns or just thoughts you can email them to podcast at generation42.org and so without further ado here's today's podcast with myself and gary black you were born to be loved all right welcome to the g42 podcast uh this is ethan wendell and today i'm here with gary black and we are trying out a new um podcast recording options um this is called um how to to pivot uh, when you're in quarantine in spain (laughs) and if it works maybe it'll be cool because we can actually see each other now yes it's good man welcome everybody uh gary black here it is a crazy season for everybody around the planet ethan what's uh kind of catch us up of what's happening out here and the classes being quarantined and all that yeah i mean this last week was um absolutely uh wild i think for the entire world for sure um the last couple weeks have just kind of turned everything we've known about the world uh, almost on its head. It, 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 I feel like we're in a really weird spot right now where uh, it's sort of like a tsunami's coming, but it's slow. <laughs> so we're not really sure what's... We, we, I think there's part of us that still f- hopes and feels like, well, maybe everything will just get back to normal. Right. And um, I'm just not sure that, that there's, there's a huge sense in me that that, that is not going to happen. Like, I don't think we're going well, back. I, I think God's disrupting the normal. Yeah. And I don't think it's ever going to be the same again. I, I, I can really sense that in this time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely not normal times here in, uh, in Mijas, you know, so we, we dealt with um, the last time we talked, we had already kind of been in quarantine, but then this last week, as things kind of got ramped up in the States, um, the U S government issued this uh, level four travel warning for the whole world. It's, it, I mean, this travel warning has only ever been issued for like North Korea and like Iran. Right. So like, don't go there. And, and they basically just hit it for like the whole world. They're like, do not, nobody go anywhere. Yeah. And, um, and, and then on top of that, they said, if you are abroad, you need to try to come home. And so that really um, concerned us. Obviously it concerned our students and their parents. And um, we've been trying to evaluate this. So, you know, you and me and Andrew spent a lot of time this weekend um, just really listening to counsel, you know, reading what we can. And I mean, I think the main thing about that travel warning was 
it's set unless you are prepared to essentially stay where you are indefinitely. Right. And you know, Andrew is saying, well, I live here. Right. <laughs> you live here. Good, good spot to be here. stuck. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we all, we all live here. We have the houses. We are prepared to be here indefinitely. Certainly we had already prepared the classes to be here until um, the end of May. Um, and who knows how long this will be. Uh, at the same time, we, we totally understand the concerns of parents and other people and the news as far as Spain. I mean, today we in Spain, you know, when we're recording this, we just overtook China as, you know, so we're now the second most deaths in the world as far as coronavirus. Right. And um, fortunately in Andalusia, um, we are, uh, you know, pretty well, uh, we're, we're not nearly as bad as the north of Spain or in, in Madrid. Now it's still growing here, but in, in Mijas Puebla, we have zero cases of this. Right. Um, and we're all under quarantine and lockdown. So I feel like we're going to be in fine shape. But anyway, we laid out for the, for the students, look, here are your options. If you stay... You will be in quarantine for who knows how long. Uh, you w- may be here for months on end. Uh, you will be assuredly sort of locked up, but you will be safe. And we'll have, we have food here and we'll, we, right. we'll, we have the houses here. Uh, or if you want to go, we'll help you, you go home and we'll, we'll honor your parents and try to get you where you need to be. I mean, ultimately, I think all of us, everybody listening, everybody everywhere needs to be asking yourself, like who, who in my life do I need to be there for? And, and what do I need to do to prepare that or get somebody else to be in that spot or, or whatever, right. because we're all trying to prepare to, to help others. So anyway, we, it was, a, it, you know, you've been in leadership a long time. So have I, and, and you, these, these are tough decisions. You know, do you, do you close the school entirely and, and force everyone home, which we ultimately decided that was not the safest uh, for them, um, and certainly not the best. So we basically well, they, said, they decided we we gave them the option. Exactly. Hey, do you want to leave? And not one of them chose to leave. Right. A couple of them have a wedding this summer, and they were like, "Well, should we go?" And we're like, "If you feel like you need to go, absolutely go." And they decided to stay. And so, right. if we need to do a wedding, it's a pretty good place to do a wedding. <laughs> right. We're okay. right. And a couple of them. I mean, the, the only person who did have to leave was uh, was Kylie, and she she works for Adventures and Missions, and they're managing yeah. that whole process back there. So, Kylie and and our friends from Adventures did were able to find flights. I mean, that was another thing. It was just so hard to find flights for anyone, yeah. anyway. So crazy. Well, anyway, everybody leads us into a really good week. Yeah. That Ethan Wendell brings here to the to the, the academy. Uh, Ethan, I love uh, your week just because it's so at first it seems like it's going to be so hard for these young people to grasp because they've been told something completely different most of their lives. And, and but what I love watching, this is my favorite part about your week, because uh, I, of course, the kids are texting me questions the whole time and I get on the phone app and do discipleship and and their minds are blown. But what I love is I hear the same thing every single time. I've always known this. I just didn't know how to put words to it. Yeah, And so I think that God actually innately, like he says, we all know that he is, he's real. Everybody at some, at age of accountability, whatever that means, knows that there's a God. Yeah. Um, I think that we all know the truth of the gospel and, and the truth of the kingdom of God and what you bring. And so kind of walk us through your week, take us into yeah, yeah. You know, that first day when you say, what is the gospel? <laughs> and everybody goes, oh, Jesus died for my sins, right? Exactly. And so, yeah, so that's a great, so this was our first time ever doing this week webcast. But yeah, we start this week and I start with a story, um, which is a pretty cool story for those who who don't know it. But um, in in 1995, there was a 
the guy who was running, his name was Robert Williams, and he was running the, uh, the NASA observancy and, and really covering the uh, Hubble Space Telescope. Okay. And um, it's a cool story. I mean, if you recall, I mean, you were alive at that time. I was alive. And, you know, they had launched this Hubble Space Telescope in 93. They'd spent billions of dollars to do it. And for two years, it hadn't taken a, a picture because it, they, they had screwed up the lens. There was something wrong with just the lens and they couldn't, yeah. it was all blurry and everybody was mocking NASA and all these things. So they finally get it fixed. They send astronauts up, they fix the Hubble Space Telescope and they have two years worth of people who are wanting to look at various things. They want to look at, you know, this galaxy, you know, I want to shine the Hubble Space Telescope on nothing for, for 10 days. And, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? It's like, I want to shine it on a place that no other telescope has ever picked up anything for 10 days. And, and I want to see what it is. And they said, no way. We've got too many other things. And so he basically stakes his job on it. He says, if, if we shine this and nothing appears, um, then uh, I'll, I'll quit. I'll resign as the head of NASA. Wow. What a, what a ballsy and, move, man. I, love I know. So, so crazy. So he picks this spot and it's above the Big Dipper. And many of you, you know, many of the people who in science classes have seen this, but uh, he picks this spot. It's about the head of a pin, a pinhead big from Earth if you were looking up. So it's this teeny tiny little dot in the sky. And all the telescopes we've had up until this point have looked in this area and never seen anything. And so for all we assume, there's nothing there. And so he shines this thing for 10 days. And I would, you know, go, you know welcome anybody to go Google the Hubble deep space image. Uh, so what they do is they, they, it takes a while to kind of print the data because it's so much data that they've been receiving infrared waves and all these waves. And when they print the data... What they discover is there's over, I think it's 300 galaxies in this spot, each of them having like 100 billion stars or something. I mean, it's like it, it basically it, it increased the size of the known universe by like trillions of stars <laughs> Wow! and pl all the planets that are associated with them and all of these things. And, 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 and it blew everybody's minds. And then a couple of years later, they upgraded the, the telescope. And they actually picked a different spot, same thing, found like 4,000 galaxies. And then a couple of years after that, they picked a spot within that picture that they couldn't see, and, and they found more. And so it's like the more they look, the deeper they, it goes. It's, it's infinite. And, and I use that illustration to start the week because ultimately we often feel like we know God. Uh, and we know, you know, our Christian faith and we know, you know, what it means. And we've kind of helped it to fit within a nice little box. And then we encounter information that just like totally like blows our minds and opens us up to a whole new world. And what I try to tell the students, and this is really important for this one, is that the fact that there were, you know, 10 trillion more stars it doesn't negate the fact that our solar system has eight or nine planets, depending on who you talk right. to, and that right, right. the Milky Way is what it is. And all the things we knew before still stand in many ways, but they have to be rethought now in the expansiveness of what we've just received and what we've just encountered. And I think that what you're saying there and what many of us have experienced is the, the gospel that we knew or the, the, the storyline of Christianity, that there was a God and, and he, he had this problem, and the problem was sin, and, and nobody could get over that problem. So he comes up with a solution that, that satisfies his justice and, and his mercy, and then he sends this person so that they'll die and then sort of forgive our sins. And then the goal of Christianity, as it were, is that we believe that uh, mm -hmm. so that we can take away the sins. And that's kind of the goal. It's like check the box. 
if you believe this, then your sins are forgiven. And now we've, you know, that's what God wants. He, he just well, wants if you, if you believe this and you say the right prayer, right? Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Right. And so there's truth in that. And like, and this is like, this is the nuance of this. There is absolute truth that the sacrifice of Jesus, you know, covers our guilt and helps us to enter into relationship with Jesus and, and forgives us of all of our sins and all these things. Um, but there's something inside of us that says, like, that's just too small. Like, right. th- that doesn't make sense. Why would he start this whole thing to fill the majority of people to, to hell? Why would he start this whole thing, you know, just to make sure that some people in this crazy life figured this out and believed this thing? And, you know, that just doesn't feel big enough. Yeah, it feels a little elitist almost, which is the opposite of what the message is, that we're (laughs) humility and grace, but all of a sudden we're elite because we've figured out something that nobody else knows. Exactly. And it puts us in this position of just always looking either, you know, in or out, in or out, who's in, who's out, you know, are you with us? Are you with, and and that becomes... Our mission almost it was, and certainly it feels like our mission is to go around and convince people to believe a set of facts uh, so that they can get the benefits that those facts will give them. And then we'll move on to the next person. And there's a lot of ministries out there today that are trying to finish the mission by which they mean tell as many people about Jesus so that it can be done and we can just finish which, this. Which is an amazing, beautiful thing. Yeah, but it's not the point. Mm-hmm. And and what I what I love is like when when honestly when I first heard this years and years ago, I was challenged with this. It's it, it you kind of feel like well yeah wait a minute, it I am elite. I I did figure it out, and and it, it challenges your pride even in your own Christianity. Right. And even like my, my I love it. My eighty one year old dad, you know this mighty man of God who studied the Scripture his whole life. He's dispensational. He's he's going to believe this until he dies. It doesn't negate. It's not a heaven no. or hell issue. Right. It's just, what's your expansion? How far do you want to go into this thing? Well, and what and what does it actually mean? So, so we get into the gospel and we say, okay, it, it, we we know we we know that the gospel, and we just start the week by saying, Google the gospel. What is the gospel? So we go online, we Google the gospel. I just say, look, read the first ten pages, and I would recommend anybody listening to do that. Read the first ten pages of Google and see what you find. Now, there's going to be lots of scripture references, and we cover all of these in class. 1 Corinthians 15 is probably the, the classic um, gospel um, scripture, um, because in it, it's, it appears, if you just read it out of context, it appears that what Paul is trying to do in 1 Corinthians 15 is to give you a condensed gospel message. And mm-hmm. so what he says is, uh, now I make known to you uh, the gospel which I preached to you, in which you have been saved, which you will continue to be saved if you continue in this way. The first thing I told you was that Jesus Christ died for your sins, according to scripture, that he was dead and buried and that he rose again. And then he goes on with the rest of the thing. And so to that snippet, um, Jesus Christ died for your sins has has come to be synonymous with the gospel that many of us have grown up with. All I have is. And so we extrapolate from that. Well, the if that's good news, Jesus died for my sins. Well, the bad news is pretty clear. It's your sin is the bad news. And so. Your sin is the bad news gospel, which you Angelian, you know, most people understand that that word just means good news or good tidings. Right. And, um, and so bad news is your sin and the guilt that it causes and the separation from God. Good news. Jesus died for your sins. That's the gospel. And so we asked this question to the students and, and this was a question that hit me, you know, because I was, I was going through a period of life of just deconstructing things and trying to rethink things. And I wanted to know, I had, I had come to believe 
that after, you know, 20 years of Christian faith, I, I might not know what the point was. And that was really scary. <laughs> that's the dark night of a soul for you. Let's, let's oh, back yeah. up a second, because I've heard you talk about this many times of you, you, you know, you'd planted a church and Penn state campus. You had all these miraculous things happen. You were in a solid, amazing church. It's still an amazing mega church in the States. And you had all the and parents who were, radical charismatics and did inner city work and wrote books about it. And then you get to a place of crisis, kind of a dark night of the soul where you're questioning, does Jesus even exist? Yeah, exactly. Yes, you're right. And that, and and that was, that was precipitated by a number of um, things that I had believed in, you know, very, very strongly words of, of faith or prophetic words or, things that I had interpreted, you know, wrongly, it just didn't but happen. it just didn't right? happen. You know, so and wait, I think, I, and Ethan, I want, I really want you to speak to this for a second. Cause I, I get these kind of messages all the time from young people. Mm-hmm. I, I've got some young people in New York and young people in Chicago and they're, they're saying, I, is it okay that I ask these questions that I'm, I'm wondering, is God even real anymore? Because all the prophetic words and all the promises and all these great big messages I heard from the stage that I was going to change the world aren't happening. My life sucks right now. <laughs> and so it's okay to question that first of all. And then secondly, what do you do with that? Yeah, no, that's, it's great. Um, I love talking to people in these places because um, I, I have, I've been from, the, the, you know, as Paul would say, like I was raised in the church. I was bred to, to lead in the church. I was doing church leadership as a young age. I was, uh, you know, directing other people and, and, and listening to Holy spirit and all of these things. And then I came to a point in my life where I, I didn't even know if I believed in God and that the contrast of those two things was so shocking to me. I was just like, how did I get here? And, and, and what I realized was that the foundations of my faith and the foundations of Christianity, um, were, were really set on, on some things and a way of interacting with God that was very much like a, I do this for you and you do this for me. You know, I, I honor my, you know, yeah. I honor my father and mother. You give me long life. Right. <laughs> I humble myself. Right. You direct my path. You know, my biggest wrestle in, in, in my life, which is really sad because I had been in ministry for so many years is when I lost my son, Michael, mm. and everybody was quoting to me that were against us because we were bad that our son killed himself. Um, and you know, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances, but he's dead and people would quote to me, well, you train the child in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart. And you carry that, right? And then you question God. This is scripture true. Right. Like, why did he depart if I trained him in the way that he should go? Right. So I, I get that deep, dark thing of questioning everything. Right. And, 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 it, and that's okay. I mean, it is. And it I really don't is. think this is the beauty of the text and, and, and almost the tragedy of the upbringing that we've, that many in the West have been given to treat the scripture as a rule book and almost like a, like a genie book. Like, uh, if you do this, then you get these magic benefits. And I often say to my friends in the charismatic church, especially we, we suffer 
because we have no theology of suffering. <laughs> right. <That's exactly> right. <laughs> and, and because we do not know what to do with this. We, we, we serve a God who we're always the head and not the tail. We're, we're the front and not the back that, you know, <laughs> we will, we will sow and then we will reap, you know, 100%, 10 and, you know, all of it's these the things. year of jubilation. It's the year of jubilee. It's 07, 07, 07. It's 08, 08, 08. Like something's <laughs> going to happen every time. And I love it. And, and I love, and I, and I believe that there is huge, you know, there is this idea of like, there is faith and, and God does move and there is prophetic and all of these things right. are real. But when they become foundational to your understanding of who God is and who you are and what he's called you to do with your life, and that, that really is the whole of this week. I go well, back to them and I say, who is God? Who are you? And what are you supposed to do? Right. And, and we're in a situation now where everybody was prophesying 2020, perfect vision, the year of this, <laughs> the year of that. Yeah. And, and, and God spoke to me and said, I'm going to do suddenlies this year. And, and wow. we had some really cool suddenlies happen. And then suddenly my brother died. And he's, and I was complaining on the airplane, going to see my brother dead. And, and the father said to me, he said, I said, suddenly, I didn't say they were all going to be good. And I had to receive that and say, you're right. And I'm okay with that. And then suddenly coronavirus, yeah. it's, it's globally, it the whole we've world never seen anything like this. And is God still who he says he is? It and is. And that is, I mean, you are absolutely right. There's no better time. I mean, and, 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 you know, you get a lot of questions. I get a lot of questions. I, I really do try to push these guys to destabilize them a bit because if they, if they're, if you aren't this, if you haven't been destabilized in your faith and you're living in the West, you're about to be yes, like, that's right. I mean, what is, what is coming is it doesn't fit into our nice and tidy little boxes. And, and we're praying for mir miracles, but we also know that like our experience of, of the last hundred years is, is uh, and the blessings we've received and the comfort we've lived in and all these things, this is a rarity in human life. Absolutely. And, um, and what we're going into the uncertainty of this next season, it's going to rock some people. And if your faith is founded on the fact that God told you to start this business and you took out the loans and started the business in January, 2020, and you get to March, 2020 and you're wiped out. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do? Right. Like, oh, like, and if your foundational faith on God is, is, is this prophetic word that said that you're going to start a ministry or you're going to do this thing. And now all of a sudden that ministry doesn't even exist. Yes. You know, and, and we're seeing this, we're, we're seeing this stuff right now. I mean, all these kids, 570 kids just came back from the world race. How many of them you think had prophetic words and visions for the next country they were going to go into and for, you know, they the knew the God was going to do. Yes. They knew it. And it was all there before them. And I think that when we go, for me, I ended up, you know, full of faith, launching a business, prophetic words every year. This year was going to be the year that the Lord was going to break through and raises and bonuses and gifts, checks in the mail and you know, all of these prophetic utterances as far as like how we're going to go. I'm sitting in 2008 and I'm $600,000 in debt. And I have no idea how I'm going to get out of this. And the whole economy is crumbling around me. Every prophetic word I've had for myself, for my ministry, for my church, for my spouse, everything has, has failed. Wow. And, I, and, and, and I'm now stuck in a place where I can't go anywhere. And I'm questioning, like, what, why did I ever believe any of this stuff? 
And, and I started, Which many people are, are doing that right now. And, and I, and I want to say it literally is taking God out of a place of being a Santa Claus and having mm-hmm. a transactional relationship with him into being a God of the, of the, of the world, uh, who he really is yeah. into his true character and a God of relationship. And, and you experienced that in 2008. I mean, you, <laughs> you were, you were done. Yeah. And I can, I mean, I'm, I can feel it on me right now, Gary, <laughs> like, <laughs> When I lost the God of Santa Claus, like I loved that God. And, and like, we had a great time. Like my whole upbringing from like 18 to 19 to 20, I mean, in college, I would leave the house and basically say, okay, dad, right or left, you know, which, which way. And, and he would say left and I would go left and wander the campus and meet people. And our relationship was like, I do this. And he speaks to me and it was so great. And once I lost that, there's this country song, uh, and I, I haven't thought about it for years, but there's this country song. I can't remember who sings it. You, your, your wife might know it because I think she, she probably would. Yeah, music. she does. Um, but it, it says, um, let's be us again. Mm. Um, and it's this song about this guy. He's like, can't we just be us again? And I just used to play that and just sob my eyes out wow. for years. Uh, years I would do this, you know, because I was getting nowhere. I wasn't, he wasn't giving me anything. I was getting no new words. And I was just like, can I just, can we be us again? And in those moments, you know, I I can't remember when it was, but I had this sense one time that like, you're never going to go back to that, but Mm. you're going to go forward to something else. And the relationship that I have now with God is so different and so much more expansive and bigger and, and, and hopeful and unassailable in that, like, I no longer need him to do anything. I was going to say that it's like, it's, it's it's saying that it's not as dependent as it was dependent. Mm -hmm. It's weird, but it really, you're not dependent on him doing anything, but being God. Right. right. And I don't need him to fix the whole world. And, and I don't, I don't believe, I, I don't believe that he micromanages the, the affairs of mankind. No. Bad stuff okay. happens. You know, I don't believe he sends coronavirus. I don't believe he has it in him. I believe he, he uses all things for our good. But like when I used to believe that like he, he, he was going to, he was going to do everything to make my path straight. I had this massive revelation of this, you know, talking to Seth back in 2016 and to you as well. I think I gave you this word as well, but like that verse, man, I hated that verse so much. I would sit down with people and they'd be like, just trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your understanding and and he'll make your path straight. And I'd be like, you know what? F you. you, I did trust in the Lord with all my heart. (laughs) I did honor God. I did say, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't send us up for this place. And my path has been anything but straight. So don't tell me that. And one day the Lord, you know, really grabbed me in 2016. And he said, he essentially said, turn around. And, and in looking behind me, I could see how all of the experiences of my life of, of the, the loss of, of business and the, and the backstabbing of other people and the, the, the crazy things we went through with, with uh, unions trying to take over the company and, and then losing people who I cared deeply about my church breaking apart. 
all of those things led me on like a straight line to what God called and prepared was preparing me to do. Mm. And that he said, was the line. That was he, the straight line. He said, I make your path straight when you look back. Ah, that's so good, man. But going through it, it feels <laughs> like, oh my gosh, why, why are we over here? Why are we over here? And, but mm. if you will, if you will trust in the Lord and you will, you will let him work with you and trust that he is going to work all these things. Some of the things, you know, some of the things that happen, and I think this is important for many people to hear, like a lot of things that happen to us, um, you know, tragedies and horrible things, but God mourns with us in those, you know, and I don't think he says like, well, here I go. I need to teach you a lesson. So there you go. I'm going, you're going to lose. your. He's not a punishable God. Right. He never was. Right. He's he's a God who enters into our grief and weeps with us and and, and sobs with us. And yeah, exactly. So he grabs a, a hold of us and says, you know what? This was horrible. And this was the worst. And I am so sorry that happened to you. And now I'm going to take it and I'm going to weave it into your story so that it becomes the thing that you actually, you're going to get redemption from this. That's like he it. redeems. And, and honestly, I think things. that's the point of your week, Ethan. I think it's the point of bringing them to tr- what does the gospel actually really mean? What is the kingdom? Yeah. And you're describing it right now. Exactly. It is, <laughs> it is the, it is the expansion of the king inside of you. So anyway, let's get back to that because yeah. uh, if you, well, if you're out there and everything you've trusted and believed God for has fallen apart. Yep. Uh, trust me, I've been there. And I, di- I want to say that there's hope. Um, there's, there's more than just hope. There's, there's a whole new way of understanding God on the other side of this, that if you will hold on and you will go back, the, the things that for me that saved me, and, and Roar talks a lot about this, you know, my, my, my theology and my, my tradition, you know, was gone. My, my understanding of scripture, I was like, whatever. I don't know if this even makes any sense at all. That was gone. Right. What saved me was experience. <laughs> and Roar talks about the three, you know, the three parts of the tricycle experience, scripture, and your community and experience will always trump the other two regardless. Right. And it is why I do really strongly, you know, believe in encountering Jesus, these encounters we have with the love of God. And for me, it was it was an encounter with the love of God that I could not explain away that that so changed my heart as a young 15 year old that that I said, OK, all I know about you is that you exist and you love me. Because I experienced that love in my heart. And so many of these world racers and other people, they've experienced that. And then they added on to that these other things, the prophecies, the dreams, the vision. They added on. But the bedrock of our faith is Christ and his love for us. And and that's it. And so I began with that. You know, I, I, I came to Matthew 22, where Jesus says the whole Bible can be summed up in this, that you would love God and love your neighbor. And I was like, all right, I believe that I can do that. I'm just going to stay in this place of you love me. I love you. And we'll go love other people. And I just stayed there for years. But in that process, I began asking why, how did I get here? And why did I believe things that were breakable? I, I never wanted again to believe something that could be broken. Um, if I was going to, if I was going to base my life on something, it needed to be unassailable. It needed to be something that, that could not break no matter what shook it. And so I began asking myself, you know, I started by asking all my friends, like, what is, what is the kingdom of God? What is advancing the kingdom of God? And when I got 10 different answers back ranging anywhere, you know, professional success 
and like a Mercedes Benz to like die and go to heaven, I was like, wow, well, we have no idea what that is. So I should, we should probably know that. So I started studying that. And then I started just trying to figure out like, what is discipleship? And this one day I came to the question, what is the gospel? And I Googled it and I read it and I said it over to myself. The good news of God is that Jesus died for your sins. And, and, and that's it. I mean, it's just so clear. Bad news sins. Jesus died for your sins. Why do I not feel satisfied in that? And this question just dropped into my spirit and, and it said, um, and I've shared this on the podcast last time we did this, but, but it said, uh, oh, if that's the gospel, then what was the gospel Jesus was preaching? Hmm. And that question had never occurred to me in my whole life. I don't know why it occurred to me then, you know, Holy Spirit brought it up, but I was just saying to myself, Jesus died for my sins. And then I'm thinking, there's no way Jesus could have said that, right? <laughs> you know, he, was <laughs> he wasn't dead. And, and then it occurred to me that not only did Jesus preach the gospel, but all of his disciples preached the gospel. He sent them into the towns and villages around Galilee to go preach the gospel. And I'm trying to think like, what the heck were they saying? Like they couldn't have been knocking on doors saying like, did you know that Jesus died for your sins? And, and so that question really started to bubble up in me. And so I just, well, I mean, fortunately for many questions that are theologically based, we have to dig and dig and dig. This one is actually right on the surface. We just say, okay, well, what did Jesus say? And we go to Mark or Matthew 4.23 and Jesus says, it says, Jesus came from Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then in Mark, it says that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then in Luke, it says he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And this, this understanding, this good news about the kingdom of God um, really made me ask another question then, because the bad news was so clear when it was like, okay, the bad news is that sin is there. And, and, and that's pretty clear. I'm trying to figure out why is it good news that the kingdom of God is here? You know, what does that, why does that, does that mean anything for me? Right. And did that send me on a, on kind of a journey of understanding that Jesus was making a global, um, not, not just political, not just religious, not just social. He was making a statement that changed everything about the way you would live. He was, he was making a declaration that the kingdom of God was conquering the world and it already basically conquered you. <laughs> and the, the choice that you have is whether to submit to the king and live the way that he planned for you uh, or to resist it. And, um, you know, we shared this on the last podcast, so I won't go through the whole thing, but the, the word gospel was a word that Jesus co-opted from the Romans. He, he, he did, it wasn't like he made it up. Uh, the Roman, well, I mean, it was used before the good news, but the, the good news that a, that a king had conquered the land that's how the Romans would, would, would do their thing. They would basically destroy the army, you know, so they'd defeat your army in some faraway, you know, battlefield. And now you have no army and your king is dead, <laughs> but you don't know it because you're living in some podunk village in Galilee. Right. And so the news has not gotten to you yet that you are now Roman citizens uh, because your army and your king are dead. And so he would send forth heralds, you know, and sent ones, uh, apostolics, to go into the village and announce, hey, good news, you guys are all Roman citizens now because we have conquered your army. And you need to repent. You need to change the way that you are doing business. You need to stop paying taxes to Persia. 
You have a totally different law code now. You got to learn that. You have a totally different way of interacting with one another because now you're under the, the, the rule of Rome. And so then those sent ones would be sent to basically establish a government, a bit of a government, and teach people how to live as Roman citizens. And so that whole concept of you send a herald forth to announce the kingdom, then that herald with others begin to teach other people how to live that way of life. That's what the Romans would do when they would conquer these towns and these villages. And, and so Jesus knew the language. Jesus knew the, the mindset. And so yep. that's why he said. Exactly. Okay. So he just switches it. And so, so he takes it. The, the Romans would go around and say, Caesar is Lord. The Romans would go around and say, good news. Caesar is, is your Lord and Savior. They would even use the word Savior. Wow. Um, and so Jesus basically rides into to a Roman stronghold and says, the, that's why he got killed. I mean, essentially, he got killed because he was making a direct affront to all of the political powers of his Always day. was making a direct affront. <laughs> <laughs> and so he rides in and he says, good news. There's a new kingdom in town. It's the kingdom of God. I have been sent by him. And then as the gospels grow on, we realize that he is actually the king. And so that's where, that's where the, the in, for the Christians in the first couple of centuries, and many people ask this, okay, well, then what is the gospel? If you want to boil the actual gospel down to its simplest form, it's just Jesus is Lord. It, yeah. it's, that, it's that Jesus is Lord and that he is establishing his kingdom on earth. It's the good news about the king and his kingdom. And why is that important? It's important because it changes this thing we call Christianity from something we're supposed to just believe and then, you know, get the benefits of that. It changes it from, from that to a way of life of living in a kingdom that's expanding. And it's expanding not just in our own heart, but it demands that we learn to live it out and expand it to the next town. And the okay, next so town. And the, next my, town. If the way I was raised or most people listening to this, what that would mean to them then is I need to go evangelize everyone. I need to go tell them that they're going to hell mm. and they need to say this prayer and they need to come to heaven and make it again about heaven being the point. Right. Which the heaven's awesome and I'm yes. glad we get to do it. But so you understand? So, so help us with that because yeah. I, again, even my mind knowing this and hearing this and loving it goes right back to, oh, sure. well, then I need to go tell everybody. <laughs> Exactly. And I would say, I would say that there is a huge component of it. It's just the motivation changes. And, and I'll go into two things with this. So one, you know, salvation is another word that I really began studying. Like, what does that mean? Why does Paul say salvation is a past thing, a present thing and a future thing? Why does Paul say that you are being saved and work out your salvation through fear and trembling? And these words that are so different from us, where we say like, Salvation is the moment that you pray the prayer and we check the box. That's salvation. Right. And then Jesus describes eternal life, which we usually mean synonymous with salvation. We say salvation is unto eternal life. Jesus says in John 17 that this is eternal life. What is it? Is it going to heaven? Is it getting to the good place? No, it's relationship with God and Jesus whom God sent. And so salvation is actually, salvation is transformative relationship with mm -hmm. the king. It's yeah. not a destination. It's a transformational relationship with the king, which we offer to people now. We offer it to people tomorrow and in the future and ongoing and expanding out galaxies and everything else. It's a, it's a transformative relationship that we're offering. So that's number one. Our understanding switches from running around the world saying you've got to get saved so that you can get out of hell and get into heaven to running around the world saying you've got to meet this king. 
He's the most amazing person in the world. And that is that motivational switch is so powerful. You know, when we look at Paul in second Corinthians five, and Paul says, listen, if I am in the right mind, it's for you. If I'm out of the, my mind, it's because of the love of Christ that compels me. Because I believe that if Christ died, then, then one died for all. And he who died, died so that nobody should ever live under the shackles of their old way of being, but they should be reconciled to God who's already reconciled himself to you. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5 is like, it's like the announcement of the prodigal son's father. It's basically running around saying, do you not understand how good dad is? Do yeah. you not understand that his arms are already wide open? His mind is already made up for you. You don't have to live in this world of hopelessness and depression and anxiety and, and, and where, you, where you have no vision for who you are and fear. you don't know who yeah. your purpose is and fear and all these things. It's, it's, a, it's a motivation because of how good our dad is and how good this king is that we long to go into the next village. And so, so in many ways, people will ask this question, if it's not about, you know, we do, we do teach on hell and honestly, we don't have a doctrine on hell and right. what people believe about hell. I don't matter. doesn't matter that much to me. There are basically four things that the church throughout history has believed on hell and you can go research them and you can see how the church fathers dealt with this in most of church history. It was not the Dante's Inferno idea that we now have. Um, but even if that is a belief, if it doesn't sabotage the goodness of God in your mind, and if it doesn't sabotage your desire to share the good news, then I got no problems with it. Where right. I do have problems is that for most of my friends, what was good news about a great king who was the most loving, compassionate, merciful, amazing person in the world who, who is basically establishing his kingdom of love throughout the world that's changing lives and healing hearts and setting prisoners free, that message became about a God who was holding your sins against you, going to burn you forever unless you like listen to his message. And I've just found that for myself included and for most young people, that message is so demotivating <laughs> Right. That we will say it if prodded enough and guilted enough and shamed enough. And like, well, if you better get out there and say it because those people are going to die. And then we go out with this fear motivation and that becomes our like our way. And our gut and our heart says like, this is not the good news Something's I should be sharing. Right. Something's yeah. off. Right. And good. so, so I will say this, that a lot of times people accuse, you know, when, if your motivation for missions and for ministry has always been focused on the guilt punishment narrative, um, then the first thing people react to when they encounter the good news of the kingdom that's expanding over the earth and really isn't as much about the afterlife as it is about this life and what we're doing, their first reaction is like, well, why would we ever have missionaries then? Like, why would anybody go anywhere? Right. What about the 1040 window? What about the, exactly. yeah, why did we do this? Yeah. And usually what I say is that if you've never done, if you've only lived your life doing things motivated by fear instead of love, then you've never lived. That's it. And Andrew, Andrew will say the same thing. I don't not cheat on my wife because I fear what she's going to do to me. I don't cheat on my wife because I love my wife. Right. And, 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 and while fear can motivate you, I mean, if you put a gun to somebody's head and say, 
go into that burning house. There's a kid in that house and you're going to save him or I'm going to shoot you. That can make somebody run into the house and save the kid. But if I said, Gary, your daughter, your granddaughter's in that house, you know, which of those two things is going to get you in that house faster? Yeah. You know, love always outmotivates fear. And, and for us and for our generation, the love of Christ is what compels us to missions. The love of Christ is what compels us to reach our neighbors. And we do so the same way that Jesus and his disciples did. And this is what I love so much about this is that when Jesus unfolds the scroll in Luke, in Luke four and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. Then he describes what would, what that would look like. If somebody was in your face preaching the gospel to you, it would look like if you're blind, you see, yes. if you're in prison, you're set free. If you're in slavery to, to, to any bondage, you're, you're brought out of that. If you're in addiction, you, you no longer have it. If yes. you're depressed, you come into joy. He frees all who are oppressed of the devil. And he says, that's what it means. That's good news. And that's why it's like the world already knows the bad news. <laughs> Right. Life, life is the bad news. Disappointment is the bad news. Depression, abuse, sexual abuse, slavery, all of the, the ills that we see around the world is the bad news and the world knows it. And we're, we're sent as missionaries into the world to free their oppression and then declare to them that that's what God's wanting to do for them in every area of their life. Wow. I mean, if this isn't timely, I, I'm just, I love that this is happening right now. Your podcast, your week, the teaching, because this is exactly what the world needs to hear. That, yeah. that the gospel drives me to love people so well. So when everybody's buying so much at the stores and everybody's in fear, and I, I love that I heard a, a Chris Valentin say today that he's calling a 40-day fast from fear. And, he's like, and then because God said the promised land was full of milk and honey, he's like, just every time you, and let's just do, let's all get fat on a 40 day fast of, of fear. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's just true. If, if we can get away from fear and get into why am I even doing this thing is to love my neighbor yep. because of how Jesus loves me. Then I think the virus is us. I think we overcome this thing. And, and I, I mean, I believe God allowed this. He didn't do it. And oh, by the way, it's not the end of the age. It's not the apocalypse. It's not yeah. the third. It's not all of those things. It's an opportunity for the, the body of Christ to actually become that, right? And it rise is. up in love and nothing it else is. but love. It is. Our, we shine the brightest when the oppression is the darkest. I think one of the reasons uh, in the West we've, we've you know, kind of gone this direction or narrowed, narrowed the lens of Christianity to just this one component, which you know, forgiveness of sin. If you are bound up in guilt to a religious system, forgiveness of sins is the best news you can ever get. And, <laughs> and I affirm that. And it's 100% true. And Jesus dies and he, whatever guilt you could possibly have, he takes it into himself and destroys it. And then that frees your oppression, but it also frees every other oppression. And it also right. gets into the grief of a, of a single mother. And it also gets into the, the poverty issues. And it also gets into the homelessness issues. And we, we get to go out as heralds of this, basically identify the, the problems that are around us. And in the West, I think this is why Jesus says it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom because rich people can tamp down all their problems and their felt needs to the point where they're not able to receive love. If you, mm. if you don't feel like you need anything, then, then nobody can really love you in a sacrificial way because you don't mm. need them. And so you've, you've inoculated yourself from what God actually is. God is love and nobody can give it to you because you have everything you need. 
And oh, by the way, when he said that about rich people, that means you and I, that means all of everybody listening. 100%. Right. 1%. I don't care right. who you are. We're the rich. Are. Exactly. But now yeah. we're seeing people who have never had felt needs or never had fear or, you know, people who have, who have been secure in their financials now not being secure in their financials. People who have, you know, and I don't, I don't relish it for the no. I, I hate suffering. And I hate the, the death that's going to come from this. But as, as Christ people, we run toward this, you, yeah. you know, we, we, we run and we don't, and we don't do it. I mean, this is the other thing. Like there are people listening to this podcast and I'd love to tell you that if you will just devote yourself to Jesus, you will not lose your job. Nothing bad will happen to you. And you'll be, you know, all set through this crisis, but that is not the truth. I mean, nope. we know, we know that many people who are Jesus followers are going to lose their jobs. They're going to lose everything they worked for. Family the members. Year. Yes. People are going to die. And it's how we live in response. Do we, do we say that God is not good? You know, when, when these bad things happen, or do we trust that he is always working for good, that he has plans beyond this life, that he has a whole experience of, of eternity that we're, we do believe we're stepping into, that we don't have to limit our focus to just these years. We don't have to base our hopes on just what, what we have in this life and the people we have and even our own biological lives. I mean, some of the people listening to my voice might perish in the next couple right. of months. If we didn't have hope beyond this, we would, we would not be able to step into it. But because right. we do... We ought to be the people that go into the world full of faith, full of hope, taking the risks for the real risks that they are, but showing people that our hope is in, in, a, in a person and in a man who's beyond this and is so good and is remaking the earth. And this so, isn't going to so be the end. Is that how you'd wrap up your whole week? If you could, if you could tell us like your yeah. point of your week of what you want these interns to, to get in, you're trying to impart into them something yeah. very significant and very direct. What, what, how would you wrap it up? I will say this. I'll wrap it up with how I teach because because everything to me is about the the, the foundation. It is people will call my week what is the gospel, but really my week is about the foundations of your life, and it is about centering who is God, who are you, and what are you supposed to do on one person, Christ, <laughs> and and everything we know about God, we know about Him because of Christ. Everything we know about us, we know about because of Christ, and what we're supposed to do, we know about Christ. And so I flesh that out in a, in a, in a thing that I teach my children. And, and so this is the, when we do our, we do Sunday, you know, family church and the, the, all my kids say the same, it's, we call it our permanent overview. Yes. And it's the, it's the thing that, that I hope they, they believe when all else is failing and when everything else about their life is going poorly, I hope they remember this. And it says, God is love. He made us in his image to love us so that we could love others. Jesus shows us what God is really like. He teaches us how to love others. And the Holy Spirit is God in us to lead us toward loving him and others. Mm. And that's basically my, that's Christianity to me. That's, 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 it. that's the what way you define that, Ethan, which I love is that it, 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 his image is love. Yes. God created us in his image. We've all heard that, but the, that literally means love. Yep. We're created in love so we can go love. That's it. That's all. Right. That's all we're. That's all we're supposed to do. Every day we wake up, we receive His love, we love Him back, we love who He made us to be, and we go love others. And it's the simplicity of that that becomes the. It's simple, but it is severe. It, it, it means that in this season we're going to have to take risks. 
We're going to have to give. We're going to have to be generous. We're going to have to be faith-filled when, when, when our own financial situation is going down. We're going to have to look for the needs of others. I mean, it's, it pulls us out of our own ass, as you know, Andrew really would does. say, a lot. We stop fretting about our own life and we turn ourselves to the needs of others. And in that, Christ says, if you will deny yourself and if you will take up the cross, which is sacrificial love. I mean, all that means is deny your own, stop looking at yourself, start looking for opportunities to sacrificially love others. And in that, you will find actual, true, eternal and, and, life. And what I love, bro, is that you've you've put this, you've imparted this. I mean, I'm looking at Miles and Julia just started Harvest Catering and this thing happens. And you know what they're doing? They're texting me, are you guys okay? What can we do for your kids? They're it's serving amazing. my kids in the midst of this. And, and I'm watching these alumni of the World Race and G42 that are looking for ways to go serve people. And I've got I, one of our World Race girls, it's a teacher in the middle of Africa, a horrible place. She's texting me saying, "Can I, I want to fly in just to counsel these kids coming off the World Race because I know they're heartbroken. So they were out there two months and they missed their whole race. So it's getting into them. I just want to tell you. 100%. I mean, Jess and Kenneth in, uh, in Houston got a text uh, from Amy Heinzman. Uh, one of her people coming off the race needed a place to go. No questions asked. Four hours later, went to the airport, picked her up. Wow. you know, is are quarantining her at their house and just loving her and pouring into her. And I talked with them today and they said this, like they're getting such life. I mean, it, it is it, it, the ways of Jesus. If we will just do them, <laughs> you know, we, we find that in laying our lives down for others in taking risk for others in doing just small acts of great love, we, we actually do find the way that we're supposed to live because that's, that's how we're in the image. That's how we're created. We're created. That's to do beautiful. That. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm so glad you said the prayer that you say to the girls. That's, oh, that's <laughs> incredible. I love it. Awesome. What a okay. week. Yeah. Well, great. We'll, um, we'll wrap up. And um, for those of you who are out there, alumni, um, we're praying for you. If you need something, we are, we are putting together some lists and, and we're trying to figure out the best way of doing this. Um, we might, uh, the best way might be a peer to peer way where we can just, you know, sub out some Venmos, uh, to figure out how to meet the needs of our alumni that, that have them. I know many have lost their jobs. I was talking again, I was talking with Jess and Kenneth today, and we're, we're linking up all of the missional communities. So Denver, uh, and DC and, and Houston are speaking tonight. And then Houston and India are going to speak tomorrow and wow, we're awesome. sharing needs and figuring out who needs what, and how can we move stuff? And I was, I was saying to them today, uh, that um, really all we're trying to do here, if you look at what Paul is doing in, uh, in the Corinthians saying, okay, Macedonia, you know, has a gift and they're going to send it to Jerusalem and we're going to come past you guys first and we're going to pick up yours and we're going to take care of them. And we're, you know, they're going to supply what you lack. And, you know, it's basically we're, we're seeing these communities care for one another and we're just reproducing that in the 21st century with Venmo and Google Hangouts. That's beautiful. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, anyway, it's that. awesome. It's, it. it's all good. We're super full of faith. So thanks, Gary. Appreciate the time yeah. today. And um, hopefully this blesses the alumni. All right, man. God bless you. You were born to be loved.